This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Friday, June 9th, 2017. I'm Caleb Brown. The subtext of James Comey's testimony to the Senate Intelligence Committee may be that there is some there there, that the Russia election tampering he firmly believes took place may be much broader than previously thought. Cato's Patrick Eddington and Julian Sanchez offered their thoughts on yesterday's testimony. We spoke just after its conclusion. If you just read the testimony that was that uh, James Comey provided to the Senate Intelligence Committee, it seemed like uh, a lot of facts that we we largely already knew from uh, leaked accounts of memos. But what did we learn about the various interactions that uh, James Comey had with uh, President Trump while he was still FBI director? Well, I I think what was interesting. Um for me, there were, there were four or five different major subject areas, I'll say, that were kind of covered today. And you're hitting on the one, of course, that everybody, I think, was kind of uh, on the edge of their seats about. Now, what was interesting from my perspective is that Comey admitted that he did not push back as forcefully or directly on Trump's, quote, hope, end quote, that he would let the Flynn investigation drop uh, because he was, quote, stunned, essentially, that Trump would even uh, do such a thing. He made it very clear in his testimony, and he was he was asked this question by multiple senators: Why did you feel the need to do these memorandums for the record? And he said that in Trump's case, <laughs> he felt compelled to do so because of quote the circumstances, the subject matter, and the person involved end quote. And I came away with a very clear impression that he felt that the president was an utterly untrustworthy individual. And that Comey felt he really needed to kind of, um, I'll modify this this phrase, cover his back, shall we say, uh, to make sure that if uh, Trump or any of the people around him tried to later claim that Comey was lying and so on and so forth, Comey would have created this contemporaneous record uh, from the time. And I think, you know, folks, at least my impression just watching this was that folks were pretty riveted, you know, on that part of it. You know, he clarified, I think, that uh, as I think most people had read it already, that uh, when he says that uh, uh, Trump sent the attorney general and the other people present out of the room uh, to say, I hope you can let Flynn go because he's a good guy, that uh, Comey did in, indeed interpret that as a directive, as I think uh, most of us would. I think there was some effort from uh, some of the Republican members of Congress to say, well, wasn't he just expressing a hope or, or something like to, to that effect? I think most of us understand that if your boss pulls you into a private meeting and says, I hope you will do X, um, that they are directing you to do X and not merely expressing a wish that the state of the world should uh, unfold in a certain fashion. Uh, I actually think that the maybe more important thing in the long run is going to be the response from the White House. Uh, I mean, it was, it was interesting to see... Uh, Comey relate this. I think there's a lot of people who maybe don't pay minute attention. And so having major networks covering this and letting people judge how credible uh, James Comey seems to them from uh, his personal testimony may be significant. Uh, but in terms of, sort of what is substantively novel, uh, the White House issued a fairly unambiguous denial that either in form or substance, as they said, uh, uh, that uh, President Trump had either uh, asked for Comey's loyalty or asked him to uh, let Flynn go, let this go, um, which requires you to believe then that immediately after these conversations, 
James Comey had, for some reason, while he still had his job, fabricated a memorandum uh, focused on these statements and then shared them with a, a bunch of senior FBI officials. Um, we, we'll see how plausible people find that. Um, they also made a, a number of uh, rather extraordinary uh, counter charges. The uh, attorney for the White, uh, for for uh, Donald Trump rather uh, insinuated that or said outright that he thought that uh, uh, James Comey might have have in some way broken the law uh, and become a leaker uh, by disclosing this information in, in violation of of privilege of some sort. Um, again, it, it's not really clear what that could possibly mean. Um, executive privilege can be invoked in response, for example, to a congressional subpoena uh, to say that this this uh, facts of this kind of private conversation are immune from being subpoenaed for, for compulsory testimony. Um, but it, it's, this is obviously, of course, not with one exception that hasn't been disclosed. Um, classified information, Comey did say uh, there was one memo about a conversation that had touched on classified uh, matters. That we just don't know what it's about. Um, the information he has disclosed, uh, he did he did acknowledge that he had uh, authorized a friend to talk to the press about uh, the substance of the unclassified memos. Um, insofar as they're unclassified, as a private citizen, there's no statute that would uh, prevent him from uh, from disclosing what he recalled of his conversations to press. Uh, the director of the FBI is an attorney, but he is not Donald Trump's attorney. Uh, so it wouldn't have been really a question of, of attorney-client privilege. Um, so this was uh, an effort uh, to, to, I suppose, try and uh, turn the tables and, and, and put Comey on the defensive. But it's hard to see how any of that is uh, going to work. And it was in marked contrast, I think, to the attitude uh, from Republicans on the Intelligence Committee, who, of course, know Comey well, had many uh, honestly, on both sides, people have had many uh, harsh words for the former director uh, regarding whether he was either too easy or too hard on Hillary Clinton in the course of the uh, investigation into her private email server. Uh, but it was conspicuous that he was treated with, with pretty substantial deference and respect uh, across the aisle by uh, the committee members who were, who were most familiar with him. Uh, again, you didn't see any signs of there were some talking points circulated that, that really did seem to be sort of doubling down on the, uh, the smear James Comey uh, tactic. Uh, we didn't really see that from the committee members today. What can we take away from some of the questioning that occurred today? And uh, I mentioned this to uh, Ilya Shapiro as well, which is uh, Kamala Harris seemed to be focusing uh, largely on Attorney General Jeff Sessions and um, where he comes down in all of this, whether his recusal from this investigation actually uh, is or any continued involvement after that recusal actually places him in any legal jeopardy. Yeah, she spent a great deal of time um, playing uh, prosecutor at this at this particular hearing, trying to uh, essentially uh, find out from Comey if there was any evidence at all that uh, Sessions had breached his recusal at, at any particular point. And even in the two-week period that was mentioned, um, looking, I think, just for any kind of angle to attack on, um, and, you know, Comey really didn't give her anything to work with. Uh, I thought that, you know, it was very clear with respect to this issue of allegations of, of the Trump campaign inclusion, all the rest of that. Uh, Comey was very, very careful 
to basically dodge every one of those questions every time he got it. And he said, I can't go into that in open session. And and I think that's going to leave an awful lot of people who are really paying attention with the impression at a minimum that there might be a there there. I, you know, I'm not sure um, that it on, on, the, on its face it's nearly enough, but at any event, um, he, uh, he kind of left that out there. And then the other thing that I thought was um, really noteworthy is when he was specifically asked about attack attribution. Uh, were the Russians behind this? He virtually came out of his chair with a level of emphasis uh, that the Russians are absolutely guilty on this. There is, quote, no question. There were no doubts in his mind, I believe, uh, was the phrase that he used. Um, and so I think he's he's helped to kind of continue to, to fuel this idea, um, you know, that, that the Russians at the GRU specifically on Putin's orders, uh, allegedly, engaged in this particular activity. And I think it, it just guarantees that we're going to continue to grind this thing out. I would say a couple things about uh, Harris's line of uh, inquiry. One thing I will say, one genuinely new uh, bit of, of, of information to come out of this was uh, when asked about essentially why he had presupposed uh, that Attorney General Sessions was going to recuse himself, uh, I imagined it was just because, well, of course, someone who was a member of the campaign would recuse himself from an investigation of the campaign or that touched on the campaign. Uh, but Comey volunteered that there was some additional classified piece of evidence he couldn't discuss that touched on why uh, uh, Sessions might recuse himself. So that uh, no doubt is going to uh, cause a lot of ears in Washington to perk up. And Harris is a, you know, doing a, a kind of savvy prosecutorial dance, um, asked a series of questions that she, of course, had to know that Comey would refuse to answer. Uh, was Were there further undisclosed meetings between members of the campaign and Russian officials? Uh, did you have evidence of any encrypted communication between members of the campaign and Russian officials? Uh, of course, well aware that, that Comey's answer to all of these would be, I can't discuss that in open session. Uh, but the effective course of asking them is to leave the impression that as a member of the intelligence community, she knows that the answer to those questions is yes. Well, in, in response to... Um uh, one particular question from Senator Ron Wyden of, of Oregon about whether or not other folks in the administration might in some fashion or another essentially be compromised, Comey indicated that, quote, Mueller's investigation would be critical in this respect, end quote. And I think that feeds into what Julian was just referring to is, is Comey, deliberately or otherwise, I tend to think deliberately, was trying to basically point people very subtly to, yes, there's a there there. there is, this is really big. And, and to just kind of uh, bring in one other point here that I think is important, it's, it's related to uh, the hearing, is that uh, Senator Mark Warner, the vice chairman of the committee, in response to the leak uh, this past week of the five-page NSA report, uh, by Reality Lee Winner. I'm still trying to make sure I pronounce all that right. I, I find myself almost stumbling over that name. It's a little bit, a little bit awkward. Um, essentially said that um, that report um, is peanuts in essence compared to, to the available information out there about the level of Russian interference and attempts to manipulate the election. So I was kind of surprised that that question did not get worked in. I was also surprised that nobody, at least so far as I could tell, asked him about his uh, nominated replacement, uh, Christopher Wray. 
I thought that at least somebody there would actually get into to questioning on that, but that did not happen. What do you view the uh, special counsel's role here, uh, given this, uh, what, we, what we've learned today? Is there any change in it, or uh, does the investigation here at this point broaden? I think it'll be some time before we can really, you know, say with any kind of definition about how much broader this thing has necessarily become. What I will offer is the observation that when I worked on Capitol Hill for Mr. Holt and Bob Mueller was the director of the FBI during the Amerithrax investigation, that was the anthrax, FBI names for the anthrax and and TAC uh, investigation, that Mueller was an absolute expert at stonewalling congressional inquiries with respect to that investigation. And we were deeply frustrated with that because Mr. Holt's office was one of them that was actually contaminated uh, as a result of the attack. So if there's one thing that I'm very confident of, it's that Mueller is going to do exactly what Comey said, which is pursue this very doggedly. My concern is that because Mueller and his investigators spent five years pursuing the wrong suspect in the Amerithrax investigation, I hope that he's learned some lessons from that um, because the stakes for this are even higher. Uh, and and it, he really needs to get it right. So whether he will, time will tell. No. Uh, Dad, you know, I think uh, there's been this very minute focus, understandably maybe, uh, on uh, questions like, well, was there collusion in particular with respect to the uh, hacking and the leak to WikiLeaks? And that strikes me as rather extraordinarily narrow. And I've said this before, but it's worth repeating. Um, first is just that uh, in terms of how a Russian influence operation would work, um, you know, a, I think not super likely that they would choose to loop in uh, members of the Trump campaign on the details of their influence operation, uh, but that rather there would be other kinds of efforts to ensure they had leverage over members of the campaign team. That might involve implicating them in some kind of misconduct. It might involve gathering derogatory information about uh, about them. Um, there are a lot of questions beyond was there witting collusion that it's important for an investigation like this to answer. Um, and also, you know, the outcome of this investigation obviously matters for reasons beyond what it means to this administration or for Donald Trump uh, or even, you know, frankly, for whether this goes towards something like impeachment. Um, it's clear that the influence, the interference uh, that they're describing went far, far beyond uh, just releasing some of John Podesta's emails or DNC emails involved, uh, targeting hundreds if not thousands of uh, computer systems to be infiltrated. We know that uh, one small sliver of that involved uh, systems that that do uh, maintain voter rolls, but that this was a very large-scale operation that crossed a lot of domains and that, uh, you know, if we want to have confidence in the future in the integrity of our elections, uh, forget whether Donald Trump or or Paul Manafort or anyone else was was party to this and might uh, see some legal trouble as a result, um, there are broader questions about what happens in 2018 and 2020, and we need to uh, have a sense of uh, how hardened we are against uh, an, an operation of this kind in the future. Patrick Eddington is a policy analyst, and Julian Sanchez is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.